recording, redirecting to Facebook Live page. I've done this before. And I think we are live. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us in this live event, in this case, which is the last episode of Towards Juventia, the podcast. In this second season, we call it Bridging the Gap because we invited amazing, incredible artists from amazing, incredible uh, companies. Somehow I was going to say websites, but no, companies, in order to tell us how they work in those companies, what is the training that they thought they missed in order to work on those companies and they've been sharing with us for 10 or 11 weeks and next week is the last one and I am going to be closing the, this second term with something that all the teachers somehow has been touching upon which is performance presence. I remember uh, the last one Josh Baker who is teaching right now this week talking about that we should link the training of technique, the technique training into the performance technique. And uh, Rob Hayden from Ultima Beth, former dancer from Ultima Beth, was saying that his main training is about performance presence. So it's something that it's, it's really current at the moment. And because the last 20 years have been researching about what is that performance presence, how can be replicated and because I'm, uh, I might be a control freak or I come from a sports science or both, I created a methodology of training performance presence, almost like you know, if you want to be fitter or you want to run, you know that you have to do a certain number of series and then you need to do the, in this progression, this periodization, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we created a methodology and I say we because I had incredible help of people such as the people that I have with us today in order to create this methodology and that we're going to be talking about it today and how those classes are going to be next week. And because I cannot interview myself, uh, Bridget Lapin, Assistant Director of Towards Juventia, and I thought, okay, let's invite people who has been in touch with this methodology in different ways for us to have a conversation about it, how it impacted in their lives, how was the very beginning of it, um, all about it. So today I'm really happy to have, of course, Bridget Lapin, which is the assistant director. He's going to be our master of ceremony, kind of like moderating this conversation. If anyone is talking too much, Bridget, you will have all the power. Like, yeah, enough, fine, whatever. Gotcha. Then we have with us the gorgeous Molly Dunter. Molly is someone that I know for many years. We've ever encountered each other in different institutions, first at the place and then at SITS, uh, Salzburg Experimental Academy of Dance in Austria. And uh, she's someone that I really cherish, uh, someone we have incredible conversations every time that we meet and, and I just love talking to her. And she was one of our participants of Tours Juventia. I don't remember which edition, she will tell us uh, later on. And then we have uh, my dear friend, one of my first husbands, uh, Nathan Johnston. Uh, he was first when he was young and when I was young as well, he was my student at the place. And as soon as he finished, it was really nice connection, really nice chemistry. So I asked him to be my assistant choreographer for the first piece that I made on Edge, uh, the postgraduate company at the place. And that was called at that time, 36. It was a crazy journey. It was in the middle of my research. So all that ideas of performance presence was tested in that piece. Uh, we have an incredible time and the piece was very successful to the point that now it's called 12 and it's still touring the world uh, in two different companies, Acosta Danza and the national company of Malta. 
So first and foremost, Molly, Nathan, and Bridget, thank you so much for joining us, spending a bit of time, and really looking forward for this conversation. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's so nice to be here. So Bridget, over you, over to you. Fab, thank you very much. And also, I just want to say thank you to Molly and Nathan for being here. And then also Jorge for um, taking the time to kind of like be a little bit of Wizard the Oz and like put put the curtain away um, and reveal the wizard behind the curtain. So thanks for being here. Um, let's start with Nathan. Um, just because you were quite early on in, in the process of Jorge developing this process of Towards Avencia. So um, can you tell us a little bit about that first piece that the two of you were working on together? <laughs> yes, I can. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was... Um, I just graduated, right? I think I just graduated um, and Jorge asked me to be um, assistant choreographer for the piece. And um, it was it was kind of the beginning of my artistic journey, I, I guess. It really shaped me in a lot of ways uh, and it still has. And I think I remember I had this notebook and it was it was just full of all these like, notes and patterns and rhythms and, and all these things put together it was like you know and I'd never I'd never had to kind of document something so in depth before um so it really changed the way that I started to think about performance and and it's definitely something I've I've carried through as a performer my 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 whole performance career but not only that but the way I choreograph the way I teach um is very much impacted by that that very first piece and it was it was a very tough piece as well I remember it was um very physically demanding mentally demanding uh, and it's kind of like these 20 minutes because I've also performed in it as well these 20 minutes you know even though we were there it it, it felt like I just wrote a marathon and it's 20 minutes um can you explain a little bit of what the piece is about, just in case no one's ever seen it before and knows that the chaos that ensues on stage as a result of um, the circumstances that the piece is created under? Yeah, of course. I mean, this was back when it was 36. Um, there was this idea of it was 12 performers um, and 36 bottles of water. Sounds so simple, but it wasn't. Um, and, and, and basically the, the piece came about and it was built from a series of tasks, correct me if I'm wrong, tasks that, that keep you, um, I don't want to say present because that's like the key word, but it keeps you, it does keep you present. And, and I remember that these tasks, you had to keep thinking and, and, and decision-making and keep aware or, you know, these bottles are flying across the stage and you, you had to be constantly aware because it was, it was, it was, wasn't ever quite set. So, it, you know, if I want to throw a bottle to someone, I'd have to just shout their name and they'd have to be ready. So there's this element of um, you were not sure what's going to happen. So you have to be really aware what's going on. And um, it was built so that some section would change every night in terms of uh, what role I'd be doing. So then I could, again, I could never settle in, um, you know, as we do in performances, settling in or it's possible to settle in a kind of a role. Um, so it was something that kept developing and changing and, and also the physical aspect of it being so difficult as well meant you meant you had to keep going and, and otherwise 
you would miss this bottle that flies across the stage and hits a light, <laughs> which which might have happened once, but you know, um, yeah. So that that was kind of the piece, and yeah, I don't know what else to say about that really. No, how did it? So how did it feel performing that piece compared to other works that you've performed before? Was there a different sense of like, did it? Was there a difference in how you felt as a performer? Was there a difference in how? Um, the stage looked or how you interacted with your fellow performers like was that was there was there something that was slightly different about this one compared to other pieces that you've done or was there is there a connection that you can make between them I think it's very hard for me to to say there's a difference now because like I said I think that piece was the piece for me that changed the way that I think and the way that I am on stage and there's something that happened to me that allowed me to constantly find ways to stay present in any work that I do. Um, and that's, that's whether that's just fully committing to a task, an idea. Um, and it's, so it's, in terms of what, what people would expect from me, there's, there was very obvious differences, but in the terms of the way that I sit within a work, I carry that, that kind of, being that I, I was then through to everything that I do um, and I try and kind of push it forward in, in what I like to see in terms of choreography and, and, and I teach quite a lot now as well and um, you know and it's if someone doesn't um, give you a task right and, and it's it's more common that it, you won't have a task to do on stage in terms of the choreography um, I've started to learn to give myself tasks, right? And, and give myself ideas and thoughts and, and kind of goals and objectives in everything I do. And, and it's something about being here and now. And that's, that's the biggest thing for me. Being here and now is something that, that yeah, like I've, I've said a couple of times, that's really pushed me through and yeah. Really cool, really cool. I'm going to hop over to Molly now yeah. because you've also been involved in a creation with Jorge that um, I've, from what I know about it, I think it's a very similar sort of experience of uh, a really impossible task uh, or a really challenging task that is um, that demands quite a lot from you as a performer. So do you want to speak about that a little bit? Yeah, or, or a series of them, kind of one after the other. Um... Yeah, very similar to Nathan. It's it's interesting thinking about it now, having because I I um I did went through this creation and performed this piece before I did the training, um, and I was in the second edition, and then I did the second edition. So actually, before coming on to here, I was more thinking about the training and what is towards events in my understanding now, but as I sort of send myself back to to that time, um. I'll probably echo a lot of the things that Nathan was saying that it's one of those it's one of those pieces that you know kind of in a performer's life that everything sort of changes from that and during that and 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 a lot of the time I was thinking I don't know what's going on actually I I, I don't understand this that's going on but it but it feels um rich and 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 there's a sort of fear involved, I think, to do with the intense vulnerability that was coming up 
um, through the tasks we were doing um, and the conversations we were having, um, what Jorge was bringing out, what Jorge was asking of us, he was doing himself. And I think that that was really, um, really key to, to, to kind of allowing myself anyway to go on this journey, whatever it was, um, is there is this kind of incredible transparency that was um, happening on, on Jorge's part and kind of honest, um, I guess, interest and involvement in every individual and so then the collective and so then the the creation and I don't know it was just layers on layers on how how the self meets the other um and 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 how we'll how we were creating the piece and we were so heavily involved um in the creation of the actual materials um Jorge was there kind of you, you know giving giving the beginnings of things but giving us in incredible space to to just try um to just yeah to just try and 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 then and then question and then try again and then question and then answer and then be lost when we couldn't answer and yeah this kind of constant investigation questions of how do we get there where are we now um was yeah, it was, it was amazing. I, I hadn't had I hadn't had that experience before. Sounds a bit similar to like giving yourself tasks as like what Nathan was describing of like it's a um, you have a the environment and then how you're acting within that environment, how you're responding in that environment, how have you created yourself into that point where you are in that environment, you have to deal with that environment and then you have to get out of that environment to then enter it again. Um, yeah. Molly, could you describe what you were doing in the piece, like practically? Um, yeah, we were going through a series of different tasks that um, it was, oh, how do I describe it? We were holding our breath. <laughs> um, yeah. We were holding our breath and finding different ways to hold our breath or constrict the, the flow of air. Um, and then and then letting the breath back into us and that that would change then what we would do next and um this breathing and not breathing how that affected the body very physically um and and it really did something to your kind of consciousness your your awareness the 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 tingling of your fingers all of this thing so so it was a series of different um scores that that we had created um from these prompts of how do we breathe how do we not breathe how do we hyperventilate um I'm trying to think of different ones that maybe Jorge you can remember um I remember that we have kind of like different let's say scenarios about where the lack of breath could be the main character as we were saying and yeah. I remember it was narrative it was visual it was auditory right. it was tactile so we created kind of like a series of departments and it's like okay how you can create something in the department where the lack of breath is the main character yeah I remember because we were actually hoping that it could become an installation rather than a, a, a performance on a a stage where the audience is in one place 
um, and we, we weren't able to do that we weren't allowed um, so we had to make if we wanted to perform it we had to make it on the stage and that that was such an interesting process as well like how do you how do you still create the thing that by this point where, when we were told we couldn't do it as we we hoped we were every single person so personally invested because we were creating the the material and and going to these very vulnerable places having these long three-hour conversations at some some point um and then oh you can't do it as you imagined as you intended as you hoped as we've been working for and how do you reconcile that and still give it everything give your full commitment to the piece that wasn't supposed to be like that that was such a great journey for me um personally and, and actually by the end it, it, it did feel like an installation um, even even though it was in this black box situation in terms of the timing and the um, the, the, the atmosphere that, that we created between everyone but I loved I loved this um, how much stakes we all had in it so this the individual the collective thing um, was was so entwined together. It, it, it just wouldn't have been the same if, if just one person was missing. And I, I just think that's, yeah, that was so beautiful. Yeah, it sounds like the piece, the piece and, and you within it ended up having like such a identity, but then also there's like a massive amount of ownership between all of the performers in that group to the piece and to the idea. But then also the piece is like, there's an owner, like there's kind of the shared ownership yeah. of, of the piece and then also in the circumstances that it's being performed and how do you manage it? And then how do you, um, how do you adjust and, and make the, the shifts? And yeah. I'm curious, Nathan, did you have a similar experience? Cause you performed, you performed 36 and you've also rehearsal directed with it. Was there any instances where you came across a, a kind of similar sort of um, performance drama where logistics get in the way and perhaps the institutions where you're performing say, well, actually health and safety. Well. <laughs> Well, um, I mean, this was 11 years ago, <laughs> so my, I, my memory's a bit um, hazy, um, but I can't, I can't remember, I can't remember, to be totally honest, um, if there was a, a time where we wanted to do something and then we couldn't. Was, was there something? Do you remember what was the content of the bottles in the first season? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we wanted to be water. Yeah, they didn't allow us to have water in the in the in the bottles. Mm. They had to put shampoo because they said that shampoo doesn't conduct electricity. So if one of the bottles were to explode or to open in the middle of the stage, so imagine for three six months rehearsing with water and then go to a semi liquid that has a completely different behavior, the dancer were about just throw themselves <laughs> through the window it's like you get used to like how because we spent so long with these bottles right these were like our babies they, they were like we just learn everything about them how to throw them in the most perfect manner so that they just fly through the space horizontally and you can catch them and then this you know everything changes and you go okay we, we just spent all that time <laughs> we and then but I think as well because of the actual training we went through and, and it was a training right it, it, when we first created it and then when we were in it um it was a training that we had to do with these bottles um 
And I'd always remember Jorge often um, compared some of the sections to basketball, you know, so we'd be doing, there was a section called basketball, um, you know, drills and, and drills with these bottles and warm-ups with these bottles. And it, it, it was a very different way of working actually in terms of um, making a piece in dance. It was, it was good. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm curious then with, with both of you, because obviously these have been very like intense experiences and very um, stylized and highly designed experiences that Jorge's created. And, and I will get to you in a little bit, Jorge. I'm just, I'm very curious. And this, this has been thinking, and this is just a indulgent question on my part. So you have these very specific uh, experiences, very highly designed. Um, you've developed skills because as Nathan, you said, it's a training to perform in this piece. You have to, and, and Molly, those, those long conversations with people of um, going in and out and figuring out how to, how to navigate what's coming up, how to navigate what's coming up, all of, all of those sorts of things. It's a, it's a training. So you've built it up, you've rehearsed it. And more than, um, more than it becoming like a piece that you just know, like the back of your hand, it's almost like you, you've, you've trained yourself to be able to be in this piece. I'm curious listening to each other's conversations, do you think you have the tools to be able to perform in the other piece? That's so interesting. Um, it, it's hard to know, right? Without knowing exactly what the piece is. But I think that, I think it, it, to a certain extent, yes, because of the way I think I, I think you know how how he approaches things and 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 the kind of the the steps that we we go through. I think it'd be tough just to go into a piece, right? Um, but I think that it's I can imagine if if maybe not physically but mentally, yes, <laughs> physically. Um, I think maybe they will require very different things in terms of uh i don't know yeah what what it requires but i think going through a, the mental process of the work i think for sure yeah i would say very very similar i mean physically from what i've seen of the of, of this piece uh it's it's really different to agonal um so there would be a different physical training but it is about um the mental mental emotional state um, and how to be with that and how to it is a sort of changing that as well there there is a well I guess you talk about it all the time is designing the the, the presence um, which is part of it but it's it's being with it and staying with it and I I, I think because of that experience and then also doing the the Taurus Valencia training I would go into any of Jorge's work with I think with such a readiness perhaps more than any other choreographer actually because because of this yeah just a readiness to be there um like I said we we were so involved in the actual making of the material we just had to show up and be there every day and things happened and and crazy things happened and and we were a passionate group of people it wasn't always easy but this this kind of just really showing up and being there 
um, you needed everybody to be a part of that. And I have that sense with all of Jorge, with Jorge's other works, that if I was in, in another work, it would be because I should be there. And I would just have to come with a readiness. And I think that's probably the same of anyone. Yeah. And if you had to put your finger on it, what, what would you say that readiness is composed of? For you specifically. I think there's something that um, Jorge said to me, I think I was in third year, that's, that's stuck with me. Um, and, and I said to my students now actually is, um, it was the piece, um, you know, with the, the black skirts. You remember that in third year? <clears throat> and we were waiting at the side and we were talking about when you're ready to step on stage. Step into a space, and and the the idea of you stepping there before you step there, make that decision, and and for me that's that's something that has stuck with me, and I think that's it for me is, is the it's a choice, and and I make that choice to be here and ready and stay here. Um. Yeah, my choice. I guess. Really, really beautiful. It's really nice. And really nice that you're also continuing to share it with the next generation because we need we need more performers to have that to have that agency, you know? I swear, Jorge, I should be your spokesperson. I think um at the moment I must have mentioned your name, you know, at least a couple of times a month to to someone. Um I'll invoice you. <laughs> Thank you. I will uh, talk to my Tell your people to talk to my people about the invoice. Yeah. And Molly, what's that readiness for you? What does that consist of? Um, I mean, I will plus one what Nathan said. The, the choice is a huge part of it. When I ask myself that, it's really hard to find the words because it is actually—it's so bodily, but embodied. It's—it's um—it's—it's a, it's a feeling of of really holding holding yourself in one image. And there is this projection thing that happens, which is the choice or the imagining you're going to step before you step. And then it's the being there, seeing that happen, and then it's the stepping. So, so you're almost experiencing it twice even. And it's just this, this long drawn out kind of experience and this knowingness with 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 the with the unknown as well there's so much contradictions whenever i try to talk about this kind of work and towards eventia um it's really nice where these places where you're drawing things together like the individual and the collective or in terms of time we, we talk about presence performance presence all the time but so much in the uh, over the course or over the methodology is actually thinking about dream it's dreaming it's the future it's projecting forward or it sends you back in reflection you're thinking in the past and so actually you're 
you are very much on this linear walk and 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 saying yes here we are but here we are and so it, it's this this great kind of bringing it in and out and yeah what is this it, it's it's like opening up and an awareness and a readiness oh there i am saying readiness again it's a choice I, just what nathan said no it, it is hard it is hard to describe it like my own experience with with towards Vencia is very similar it's like it's very hard to like to explain what that thing is like what is it that that enables us to have that present state and and what is that present state and i think part of the process of towards Vencia and um and being in that kind of creative process it it is that like navigating it and then finding the tools to be able to then be able to then experience it bodily because then once you do have that experience it's like okay yes of course I know I know what it is and like even if we don't have the the language necessarily for it we can we can be it and that puts it out in the world and it's there and explains it that's it's a bit hard to do it audibly of course and we're on a podcast but you but you know what I mean it's like there's that like that being that is just there. And it, it's definitely present because I've, I've watched both of you perform. I've had the, the great privilege of watching both of you perform and, and I see it, you know, I, it's definitely like, there's something about the way that both of you approach the stage that is just being, and it's, it, you're there, you're totally there. Um, I think something that it's, it's, it's really helped me do it's, it. And then this was a conversation I was having a couple of days ago is that it's, it's allowed me to to be confident in me uh, and and what I what I provide and give on stage, and it's it, what it's done is kind of wipe away any doubt or worry of of other people's opinions and thoughts about what I'm doing, and and what it's allowed me to do is is just do it and know that I'm doing it. And this is how I do it. And so it, it, it's, it's in that sense, it's just made me feel like, especially when I'm on stage, is that I'm here now and I'm doing this the way that I'm doing it. And this is what you get. There you go. Um, and and that's, that's really something that it's brought alive for me. Sure. Something I was thinking about earlier um, is that, I feel like towards Vencia has become a bit like a, a score, but for like life score. So we use scores loads in dancing and it's really useful to use scores and to give yourself some parameters and you can just free yourself up creatively and, and it can give you a kind of detachment to the material as well. Um, not that there's anything wrong with being attached to material, but sometimes it can get in your way and using a score of these are the parameters you can let go and actually go so much further. And this kind of, towards Vencia is a bit like that. The methodology is a bit like that, um, where there are the, you can give yourself these kind of parameters or check boxes or um, um, like a cheat sheet or something that if you just check into these things, it's there as a map if you if you let it to be there, if you, if you use it. Um, yeah. Totally, totally. So, Dr. Kresis, the composer of this score and methodology, um, 
just wanted to get a little bit of your two cents. How uh, just because um, we've been talking about your work for the last half an hour, I'm just curious. Um, a, what it's like to hear from the inside of what it is to experience your work. Um, and if this was maybe the aim of the methodology or the aim of your choreographic practice to for um, these two wonderful beings that we have here with us to experience what they are experiencing in your work and to have those tools embedded in them. Yes. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll expand. Um, well, actually, your second question kind of like answered the first one, um, because uh, what I was thinking is I was thinking that I was really happy to hear that actually the aim of both pieces was actually to to train that presence. And, and I cannot stress enough how important is for me that idea of the training. So to hear that um, through the daily practice in the studio, uh, it's something that you are ready to when that uh, piece happened for you to be able to to perform it. That is exactly what the aim was because I keep thinking that those pieces, of course, they had to be presented. And I remember mainly in Agonal, it was a moment that I had to confess to the people like, I need to ask the permission. It's like, can I destroy your work somehow? for me to be the first member of the audience for this to have a shape, for them to be able to see something. Because uh, the, as uh, Molly was saying, it was built as an installation. So each of them were having their own individual journeys. Literally, they have their what we call the rite of passage. And they had a beginning, a middle of an end with some um, a connection in between them as performers. And that was a total chaos. Uh, I remember talking to them after the first run through of those rite of passages simultaneously at the same time, that they all felt amazing, felt transformative, it felt that they were fulfilling and they were owning the work. But from outside, it didn't make sense. It almost felt like we're in a mental institution with just people nearly banging their heads against the wall for no reason. And it makes sense for all of them because they had the journey, but from outside it didn't. So I had to ask them permission. It's like, okay, guys, uh, now I need to have your permission to do that. And it was difficult because I felt a huge responsibility of kind of like betraying the work that they've been doing. But somehow and secretly, and something that it was very happy for me now to hear it, something that I was stressing a lot is like, it doesn't matter because you've already done the journey you've already have done your rite of passage. You've already has been transformed. So actually how it looks like now, it will not have to modify what your experience of it is because you've already gone through the training. And luckily it was that like that. It was a certain resistance of that change, but if I'm correct, Molly, you can correct me from what I remember after destroying those rite of passages and created a, a visual experience for the audience, because that was not only research. We had the responsibility to show something to, to the audience. I have the feeling that everyone was able, with a little bit of work, of course, to go back to those journeys, even if the path was different. Yeah. Um, actually, it's amazing that you use this word betrayal, because it sounds so severe, but it's absolutely what I felt. At one point, there was one transition I even remember where I'm standing in the studio where I felt this kind of like deep 
sinking in my in my body like I can't believe you're doing this <laughs> uh, up until now <laughs> I've supported everything <laughs> no um and I sat with it and I waited and eventually I, I I remember speaking to you about it and and not even knowing how to how to express what I felt because it felt irrational as well you know we're okay come on but it's also just we're making some making a piece <laughs> we're gonna perform it just but it, it was because by that point it was so personal and I was I was in that transition part of the rite of passage but I didn't know it and like any transition whether it's um, I don't know from high school to university from that transition in childbirth whatever transition that there's a a complete disorientation a fear and 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 a need to kind of grasp something solid and in that conversation with you where I was basically expressing I, I don't like what's changed and I, I'm not it doesn't it doesn't feel good and I don't know I don't know what to do about it I don't know how to get get past it um you said to me just just be there just stay there you didn't ask ask me to hurry up out of the transit I didn't know it was the transition and you didn't call it that I'm calling it that now you said be there in that in the anger be pissed off with me with the work with the school whatever um and so in that moment then you were the solid thing that I could kind of uh, have there be tethered to and I had this whatever that was and I transitioned into the piece and I realized actually there was I hadn't finished whatever circle it was I'd started and it needed to end up back in the collective it needed to end up back in the group um in this case the class because it wouldn't have been full because although we were going on individual journeys we were side by side witnessing being witnessed by all of these other students and Jorge in in the room every single day and it wouldn't have finished if we hadn't arrived together at some point and then the arrival was a new journey actually it was beginning again um and and then and then we performed it and then it was different again and then we performed it and it was different again and um that yeah what were we talking about we were talking about that that yeah journey that for me when Bridget was asking me what was the goal of it because I cannot stress enough how the training is and as you were saying Molly was really really helpful for me to hear like it's a, it's a life score because by going through those steps that now I have them very clear which we will go through them next week which is um, acquiring the skills, collateral training, the mystification, the playfulness, the, the doer, the unitasking, the reflection, the, the cool down and the celebration. By going through those steps every single day or through the journey, it didn't matter what the journey was because it was that transformation afterwards. So, and just hearing Nathan and Molly hearing how that training infused something on them that now they can replicate it almost at will when it happens. That, that's that's the job done. And on that note with uh, replicating it at will, whenever you need it, however you need it, um, 
have either of you and oh and Jorge you can answer this question as well because you you experienced the methodology yourself um has there ever been a moment where that those steps and that tool have just kind of like surprisingly come into your life and you've said ah I need to use this now I'm using it now oh thank god I used it because it it really served my the circumstance that I was in so not necessarily in a performance context, perhaps maybe like a life situation. Um, you're walking down the street and um, maybe a pigeon did their business on you. I don't know. Like, was there, was there just some kind of like random experience where you're like, oh, that's towards Vinci is coming into my life right now. And this is making, this is the experience that I'm having. And yeah, cool. I think for me personally, and this is something I was thinking about early, earlier on, and it's it's kind of a, a slight question as well. Is um, I don't know if it's because I I haven't gone through the training. I haven't, you know, I haven't actually done the training as 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 the program. I've, I've experienced it through being next to Hot Hair and how he works and and being in in work and stuff. Um, but I can find it like this on stage. As soon as I step off the stage or out of, out of my creative world, let's say, so it's not just on the stage. But when I'm me is when I can't find it and I don't know how to. And I lose that kind of idea of this, this confident performer-esque thing that I was talking about earlier disappears almost. Um, and I don't know why, is it societal? Am I, I you know, I, I don't know. And yeah, like I said, I don't know if it's because I haven't been through it yet, or maybe it would help. Um, but it's something that I've, especially this, this year, but you know, I've been trying to find this idea of being here now and not kind of letting my thoughts and mind kind of distract me from that. But it's, it's not it's obviously it's not easy to do all the time anyway but um it's something i haven't found yet for me i think thank you for sharing that um yeah i mean it, this year has definitely presented a lot of unique challenges that we all must um address um jorge is there anything you want to to say to that um yes well the first one is like nathan it would be my pleasure to invite you to any of the editions that you would like to take part you'd be my guest and it would be fantastic to have you through the training because when you when bridget was asking the question i was thinking i don't even know if nathan is familiar with the vocabulary that we're using with the mystification with the doer with the unitasking because it was such an early on that the thesis was not written and only afterwards i made sense uh of all the steps of, of the repetitions of the series. And, and Molly just experienced it a tiny bit as a creative process, much more mature, much more seasoned. And of course, when she went through the training as it is, it was just as it is. So it's, it's now shaped. Um, for me particularly, just going through, through it for 20 years, there's something that has changed two things mainly that has been quite surprising, which I was not expecting. I want someone, I, I've been someone always uh, with a, a huge imposter syndrome. I was uh, the smallest person in the company, most of the time the youngest. When I was started teaching at the place, I was 
under 30 with only five or six years of a professional experience as a dancer. So I always feel like, what am I doing here? Those movers are much better than me. When I start choreographing, it's like, I don't have any formation in education. I did a PhD when I don't even have a master's. So always it says, I am not enough. Um, so by going through the methodology uh, through a very difficult period of my life in 2015, 16, and 17, and, and performing a piece as my rite of passage, which some of you know, I was skipping on the rope for 45 minutes like a boxer while I was delivering a text. So all of those uh, pieces has that in common. It's, it's a very, very intense physical experience. But all of them has something that we haven't talked too much tonight, which is about being very playful. It's, it's almost, it's not a game because that's not a game, it's about being playful. And that's something that I was not able to touch upon outside of my performance, my performative life, as Nathan was saying. As a performer, I was able to because I felt confident. Then as a teacher, I was kind of, but not fully, but going through the methodology, it's something that it has made my life much easier because now I can trigger that on and off. And then the second thing is, the pragmatism. So all those pieces has in, 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 in common as well is like throw the bottle, hold your breath, jump on the rope, as simple as it is. And that pragmatism actually surprised me hugely a week, 10 days ago, when I had to spend a few days in, in hospital doing some tests and then a night in hospital for a minor surgery. And I'm gonna confess in this uh, openly live that I normally faint. So I go, I'll go to hospitals and I faint because of the smell, because I, I feel that it's not against me. I don't know if you know these guys, but it was a little minor accident at the place with one of the students. I had a minor concussion. The, the ambulance came and I had to step out of the corridor and I faint on the corridor because of the presence of the paramedics and the ambulance. So this it, is just beyond me. I just flew through hospital two weeks ago and 10 days because I was playful, it was pragmatic, it was, it was fun. I was having a nice conversation with the doctors and with the nurses. And then thinking about it, it's like, I am just in a hospital. This is, uh, as a matter of fact, it's just another room. And so I think that pragmatism would kick in really strongly uh, 10 days ago. So yeah, playfulness and pragmatism for me has been the things that stay with me in the, in the methodology, from the methodology. Wow, wow. I didn't know that. That's really cool. Nice one. And Wally, what about you? Have you had an experience that comes to mind? Um, I'll probably just say, say similar things. It's very easy when I feel well, and I well bodily, well mentally, emotionally, it's really easy for me to, to connect with this stuff, especially because so much of it is about um, what's already there and putting um, your, um, your needs, your dreams, your curiosities, your feelings, everything in the... Uh, in the forefront of, okay, now what do you think? And then acting from that place. And so when I feel well, and I like those feelings that are going on or the situation, um, it's, it's much easier. And when I'm not feeling well, um, even if physically I might be fine, but in other ways I'm not, it's much harder. Um, but what's really nice about this 
the simplicity of this methodology, and I know it comes from so much depth and research, that it is, it is so pragmatic. And, and actually just asking myself um, some of the questions in this situation. So, so when, when I most, most of the time, if I'm thinking of towards events, yeah, it's in a situation where things are getting a bit stressful. They're getting on top of me. I've maybe got something very particular I need to do, but I don't have the, the clear clarity to, to do it or to do it well as I would like to do it um, and, and actually just asking myself a couple of the, the questions um, like what do I need to, to get it done the skills or um, the but the playfulness and the pragmatism are in bold every time and and sometimes it's only that is how how can this be playful it doesn't it doesn't mean not taking something seriously well the chapter actually is games are very serious things but um <laughs> exactly yeah it's it's taking them very seriously but but you can be light and you can be amused and if so, maybe sometimes the stressful situation is actually another person and they're they're very stressed or or shouting at you, whatever, maybe don't show them that you're amused, that might make it worse, but can you have a lightness to it? Can you take a, this is not everything and this will end kind of approach. Um, yeah, so so it, come, it comes to me when I need it, but I, I would like to, I'm trying not to say I should. <laughs> I would like to use it because it's always there. Oh, yeah, when I need it, when I'm most unwell. I think it's important to note also just in terms of like calling upon it when we need it. When Molly said, just for everyone who's listening, when Molly said games are very serious thing, all four of us had this massive smile on our face. We all giggled. We all pointed at the screen. We're like, yeah, we know exactly what you're talking about. We know exactly what that is. And I think just observing it, it seemed like we all recognized the importance of playfulness in that, you know, yes, it is a, it is a serious thing. And we know, we know the role that it has in our lives. And we also want to make sure that we give it that sort of gravitas, but also it's bloody hilarious. <laughs> and like, you know, there it was, but there's just this collective acknowledgement of what that is. And it, the, for a moment, all of us just kind of went ping. And it wasn't necessarily because we were smiling. I think it's because all of us just perhaps had that embodied memory of what that is. And it, it just came all of a sudden on the screen. So we all can access it. We like, luckily, all four of us in this, in this call have gone through the process, whether it's in a creative process or in the training methodology itself, um, or some of us have written a book casually as you do. <laughs> um, and, uh, but we all, we all have it somewhere in here. And as long as we enable ourselves the, the acknowledgement that we can switch it on whenever we can, it's totally possible. And it, and I think it just happened. So that was that was really cool to watch. I mean, it, I something that blows my mind to this day, and I remember because I, I think Jorge, I was your first class, right? I was your first year that you started at the place, um, and I remember 
when he first said that, games are serious things. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Games are games. It's fun, you know. And and to this day now, even when, so when I'm working with students or I'm choreographing or anything like that, the things that you could get out of people, these these really like deep and important things and, and the things that, that people can achieve through play, through playfulness, that they never thought they were ever going to be able to get. And you go, see that? That's that's it there. To, through this play, that's it. And they go, oh yeah, it, it's 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 amazing. This and I, I will forever love this slogan. Games are very serious things because they are. It's also where why why do we call the work we make pieces? Why can't they be plays just like in acting theater? There's there's plays. And it's in, in English language, it's so amazing because you can play the guitar, you play a role, you are in a play. It is such a huge word. I think dance needs to adopt it for, for, for sure. All the world's a stage and we are but the players. <laughs> Shakespeare knew it, we all know it. Um, I'd like to... This conversation is fantastic, and we have we've asked uh, Molly and Nathan to actually come to the to the podcast with a couple of questions, um, just to field with Jorge, and just also to like add to the conversation a little bit of like what what, what would you like to expand upon in your experience, and also just for everyone who's on Facebook, if you have any questions, feel free to add them into the um, the chat box, and hopefully we'll be able to answer a couple of those before we finish up. Um, but yeah, should we open it up to questions within the call, within the podcast? Would anyone like to go first? Um, Molly. First. Um, yeah, I wrote quite a few questions actually, but some of them I think we've already skirted over. So um, yeah, this one I'm quite interested in. But you can choose to answer both parts or just the second part. I don't know what's more interesting actually. So. I, I wondered to what extent is the towards eventsia methodology still evolving, or maybe it's more interesting to talk about your relationship with it, especially as we've talked about how there's this lovely pragmatic, almost solidity to it, to these these words, to the methodology, they just exist. Um, yeah. Yes, my relationship to it, um it would be very dramatic and very common to say it's a love-hate relationship but no it's not <laughs> it's a total love i think i found uh the hobby of my lifetime uh, and a hobby is something that you do when you have the free time and then uh, it became your bubble and your escape and it became that thing that you can talk for hours like a geeky for with many people that they don't even care about it because actually that that tour vivencia for me so I have a a relationship with it that it's total love because like a really good partner like a really good friend like a really good book or like a really good film it doesn't cease to amaze me because i i strongly believe that it's not mine i i just collect bits and bobs and and like many um architects or, or, or musicians or, or writers, they said that they are just the channel for something else to exist. I, I strongly believe that because this methodology, I, I put it the name, I, I put it in, in paper, but it was 
together with the 1,500 people, among them especially Nathan at the very beginning of creating it, very, very especially Bridget by giving it shape, very, very especially Molly by all those conversations that we had, that it took shape. So it's, it's not mine. It was, it was just shaped by all those amazing people. And to your first question, that's when I think I, I, I am so in love with it because I still discover lots of things. We are having now the very first time the, the training for trainers, meaning that because the, the methodology is being quite uh, in demand, not only for people who are coming to the, to the training, but also higher education institutions are starting implementing that in, as part of the curriculum. And because of the situation with the COVID, uh, I talked to the team and we thought, what about if this, that can be something that it can be generating workshops, online courses, and it's already shaped, why we don't pass it to other people for them to generate their employment through something that they already like? Um, and we've uh, gathered an amazing group of 10 people, and we are going through the process of dissecting the methodology, going even deeper for them to be able to pass it on afterwards. And, uh, very, very happy because the main goal was for them to be able to generate their employment with something that is happening. And already two months in, already two of them are organizing their own workshops of the Wazivencia and their own courses. So it's been really, really successful in that sense. And I'm really happy because once again, it keeps evolving and keeps providing new opportunities that I was not expecting a while ago. And in one of those sessions with this uh, training for trainers, just and on Saturday, I've discovered or I rediscovered that the methodology is called Towards Vivencia because we experienced many, many times that people in our training, mainly at the very beginning, like, but give me the money back. I'm, I'm not experiencing Vivencia. What the hell is Vivencia? They don't ask the money back, but just it's, it's kind of like this constant fight of you have promised me the the, the land of, of, of the joy and something called Vivencia, which is not even a good marketing name because we cannot pronounce it. And we don't know what it is and I don't experience it. You're driving me crazy. And we try to explain that is the experience of the experience that transforming is the presence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But as we all have been saying, it's an embodied experience. And therefore we have the language to talk about it, but only you know that you've been through that when you've been through that already. And more interestingly, I rediscovered, I reclaimed that actually the, the training, the, the name of the training is Towards Vivencia because we are going towards that experience constantly. And that is something that I've discovered just only a couple of days ago because once again, imposter syndrome, like, no, 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 I know what Vivencia is and you're going to experience because I promise that the training is to go towards it. If it happens, you will know. And actually, if you don't know that it's happening, actually it's happening because sometimes we don't realize about those changes and those situations and that when you realize that playfulness has creeped in and you didn't realize, Vivencia is happening. When you realize that pragmatism is creeping in and you didn't realize, Vivencia is happening. So it is a, a, this is a love-hate relationship in between explaining and experiencing it. But yeah, it is a training that without going through the first three painful months of what Agonal was, you couldn't have the transformation on a stage on the day of the performance because you can teach the piece and will not have that experience of Vivencia because they haven't gone through the process. 
with 12 uh, throwing bottles, you can teach that, but without going through the process, you will not have that. With um, through and out, skipping 45 minutes, yeah, I can send you the score in five minutes and you go through that. You are not going to experience Vivencia because you haven't gone through the process. So to your question, Molly, yes, something I really love is I, I keep discovering things and I keep discovering things also through the people who are experiencing it by how they talk about it, by how they experience it. But now you right now gave me an, an incredible line that I never know how to use it and, and I never thought about it, which is a life score. It gives you that, provides that structure for you to go through this when, when it's necessary. So yeah, summarizing the answer, thank you for your question. Yes, it's a total love uh, relationship and I keep discovering every time new things which hopefully makes um, things better. I want to add something else because the other day in the training trainers, I was also thinking towards Juventus is very primitive. It's very rudimentary. In, in 50 years time, 100 years time, 150 years time, when people talk about a state of consciousness, they might look at the work of Tobos Juventus and like, this is so be, below basic. That's, that's the very beginning of what the mind is, what the consciousness is. But that's, that's what we have now. That's, that's like talking about the, the first um, wheel when now Tesla is driving their cars um, by themselves. And it's using the same technology, but 10,000 times uh, better. So yes, towards Venti is very rudimentary because we are at the very beginning of an incredible era of discovering what is the neuroscience, what is the mind, what is consciousness, what is the relationship which is incredible in 2021, we need to carry on thinking what is the relationship between the body and the mind, which there is no relationship, it's the same, but it's still we don't have the language. So yeah, I'm fascinated by it and I keep uh, growing and I hope to die not knowing everything that it has to be known about towards Juventus and hopefully those trainings that are coming now, they will mix it with other things, I will take it forward. I also, I only hope that towards Juventus is only a little a stone in building an incredible monument to what being human is. Yup, 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 yup. I hope so too. It's a great answer. <laughs> Ethan, um, your question. Um, I, a couple of them have been answered already. Um, uh, but um, my... I kind of wondered if you, and it's in the same vein, I guess, of where you, where you, what the next steps of towards Venthia is. But I wondered if you were ever thinking about um, training people of a non-artistic profession and, and, you know, let's go the opposite, like we always do in an office job, you know, and, and, and how would that work? And is it something that you've thought, I'm, I'm sure it's what you thought about, but if if you could just let us know a bit about it. Uh, yes, and it, it, it already exists. Um, we had another human being, which is incredible. That I need to name him here. I love him to bits. Uh, his name is Fernando Balsera. And you're very similar to Nathan. He was uh, at the place many years afterwards. Uh, and when he finished, we lost track of each other. And then when we connect Again, we had an amazing conversation and he was my um, assistant uh, in, in a three weeks project in China because he was doing a master in business at the time. He said, Jorge, this, this methodology is, is something very powerful. Let's transform it into 
a brand into a into a company to teach people who are not performers because now at the moment it's also quite current you know like they do a speech and they do a comedy and they go and pick up tomatoes uh, in companies so we created something that at the moment it was called our company o w l because it was the second letter of commitment commitment ownership and playfulness and uh, that company existed for two or three years and Yes, we went to to work with architects, uh, we uh, accountants. Uh, we even went to Madrid to teach um, the Apple uh, staff in the offices in Madrid, and we had a couple of workshops. It died after a couple of years because we didn't have the language and we didn't have the network, meaning that every time that we went into the workshop, the results were amazing. Just as a little example, I was invited to be part of a summer camp here in Spain for people who were learning English and they were kind of like thrown into an immersed situation where they were for two or three weeks only learning English. So the director of this program invited me to do a few sessions at the beginning. And I remember after one or two sessions, he said to me, this is amazing the result that they are having, in, they are have, they are having at learning English after going through your methodology which is very different to the previous cohorts and previous year. It's much faster, it's much more playful, therefore they dare to make more mistakes, which is normally the main barrier to learn a language. Uh, they are physically active, therefore the information runs uh, better rather than sit down and disconnect a few after a few minutes. And that's something that I hope to go back at some point. It is a business and as a business, you need to count with a network, which I don't have, which I have in the, in the dance world, but I don't have the that in the companies and uh, the vocabulary. When we talk about playing and when we talk about uh, being on a stage and when we talk about all those things, we understand immediately what it is. There is a language that I haven't found yet with those uh, populations in order to make it accessible to them because at the moment it is not accessible. But my hope for the future is that hopefully Tobos Juventia also contributes to what I believe is one of the futures of dance. Uh, dance, we know that is, we're in a very difficult situation because of the COVID, but not only. We've been going with less and less funding over the years, uh, less and less opportunities. And I don't believe that needs to be less dance universities or less dancers. Actually, they need to be more because what we do is to experience that empathy, that compassion, that uh, playfulness, that uh, companionship, as Molly was saying, and how important is those, those, those skills are passed by people who are not able to train that. And they're not able because they have to do other things in the same way that I am not able to do the bread because I cannot wait at five o'clock in the morning to amass my own bread. And I'm really grateful to the person who do that. And it's available for me in the bakery. And I'm very grateful to the person who collects the tomatoes. And I'm very grateful to the person who drives the bus. And all of us has um, activities who complement others' activities and provide services and, and possibilities that we all cannot do because uh, it is impossible that one person can do all those things. So dancers, we have a very specific place in society which we haven't claimed yet or not claimed fully, I believe. And we haven't claimed it because we don't have the language, because lots of many barriers. But I think it's, those barriers are falling down. And I hope that one of those goals of those training trainers is to start training people who 
are not in the performing arts world. And I'm very lucky that at the moment I am also partnering with David Thunder, which is um, a therapist, a manual therapist, an osteopath by, by training, and he helps people to heal. Well, right now we are also, once the people are healed and they are out of pain, we help them to create a physical rite of passage with this methodology to upgrade what we call their human suit, not only the body, but the mind, the spirit. And um, I believe that is an incredible future in there, not only emotionally and ethically, but also financially, why not? And um, yeah, hopefully we are gonna start opening those doors more and more. Great, yeah. I think we've got time for maybe one more question. Um, yeah, another question I was thinking about is, uh, apart from the playfulness and the pragmatism that I've really taken from the methodology, um, the other thing that comes up a lot for me is this idea of the north, the, the intention, the direction. Um, and I wanted to ask what... Do you have, have tools or things that you always go through? Maybe Bridget, you can answer this as well. Um, when that north gets muddy, how do you how do you make it, how do you try to make it clear again um, to, to make that decision? Because the thing that I find is when I have the clear north, the rest of the methodology just kind of blah, 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 falls into place. And um, even if it's a very challenging thing that I'm trying to do, um, it, it's much easier because I have that, that clarity, even if it's a direction, not a destination like you were talking about. Um, but when it's muddy, th yeah, that's really hard. So either, either Bridget or Jorge, I don't know if you want to say something about it. Uh, I would say, Bridget, you want to start and then I can geek out a little bit about it. Of course, we want to give you as many opportunities to geek out as possible. Um, Interestingly enough, my experience with my own North um, is that it doesn't Shall necessarily- Shall we explain what the North is for yes, those let's, who are not familiar? Let's explain the North. So um, the North is a direction that the participants find in the training. So the way that the training program is set up is we spend the first 13 weeks developing the basic skills of the methodology. So what Jorge was saying earlier of collateral training, um, demystification, unitasking, et cetera, et cetera, um, which you can get tasters of next week in his class. Um, so once we have those tools, then we use those tools to figure out what area specifically we want to work on. Um, we do various different exercises to kind of bypass the um, prefrontal cortex and to kind of, you know, uh, use the nervous system as a way to uh, pinpoint what it is we're trying to, what, what is it in our lives that we want to head towards? What is, what's the, what's the thing that we want to really um, address? And so one of the big things that we do is we do like reflective writing on, um, once we come up with these words through a specific uh, physical task and reflective task, um, it's like a series of three words, maybe, maybe a little bit more. Um, I think mine's four. Um, anyway, uh, you, you do a little bit of reflective writing on what happens if you 
like in the next five years, if you don't go towards your north, so you head in the opposite direction towards your south, and not to say that the south is is bad or anything, um, you know, the south is where the sun is, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's it's just the opposite direction of where you want to head. Um, and then we do the opposite, which is heading towards your north. So what will your life look like if you um, head towards the direction of your north? Again, it's not the the final destination. It's it's the it's the means by which you get there. So you if you're wandering around in the desert and you have your your compass, you know where north is, you wanna head north. Um, that's the way that you want to go. So for me, my north is, um, when I first discovered it, it initially wasn't as, the word itself didn't really seem to fit. And I reached out to Jorge and said, it doesn't, it doesn't it's not quite there yet. Like the, like, I can feel it somewhere in my gut, but it's not quite there. Um, and so then Jorge asked me a couple of questions of like, well, where do you see yourself? Da, 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 da. Um, and what happens if you don't follow it? And I said something very, very clear um, of like, what is the biggest barrier that I have? And then Jorge reorganized those words a little bit. And that became my North. And the specific words that I use for my North are, I do deserve to be. It's a very personal one for me and everyone's North is very personal. Um, and that North came to me, I, I think it was just a moment of the stars aligning um, based on the work that I had done in the training that led me up to that moment and that I was speaking to the right person at the right time and I was present in the moment in the right time and all of my Vivencia cylinders were firing and it just, boom, I found, I found the North that really was gonna serve me for the rest of my life. And so I would say that my North never gets muddy. I just forget it sometimes. And I think the rest of the world gets really muddy. And that's where that's where my challenge comes in with maintaining it post the training. Um, in that, you know, old habits kind of creep in and, uh, you know, old ways of being like who I was before the training, you know, kind of knocks at the door or there's certain circumstances where just based on who I am as a person and my and the survival instincts that I built up as a as a person, you know, they kick in. And then I have to remind myself, oh yeah, I have this, I have this tool that is, um, that is really, really powerful. And there was the significance behind it in the work that I did with Jorge to find it. And I'm like, aha, I got it. I got it. This is the thing that's going to take me out of this. And as soon as I'm reminded of that, then I am reminded of all of the tools that Towards Vencia gave me. And then it's the process of me implementing those tools. So I think it's kind of similar to what Nathan was saying earlier of like, you know, the, the work that you do before you go on the stage, it's almost like the North is the thing that goes, oh yeah, this is what I have to do. That's what's going to help me go onto stage. And so even when it's not in a stage circumstance, it's like, as soon as I remind myself of my North, it's almost like everything kicks into high gear and I'm able to make those decisions. So rather than it, yeah, I think the rest of the world that's the problem my north is fine <laughs> no but you know it's like it's it, again it's managing that when the outside world um changes your circumstances we can't control we can't control the world we can't control the beautiful stage managers that we love and respect that say you can't use water because it's a conductive thing you have to use shampoo we we can't you know we can't control people saying you have to do the, the piece on stage, you can't do it in the lobby. You know, like we can't, we can't control those 
aspects of our life, but what we can control is what, how we experience it and how we then, you know, dance with it. How do we find our way to be present in that moment to then, and not try to change it, but just be, be, be ourselves and navigate it with all of the strength and wisdom that we have. And uh, as Bridget was kind of like explaining, probably it, it came across that arriving to that north, to those four words, it's, it's not an easy task. Uh, and the training towards Vencia as a training methodology, what we are going to be doing next week is kind of like learning the basics. Uh, and once again, just for all of us, because we, we are familiar with this knowledge, uh, with the vocabulary, if we are talking about fitness, next week we will learn how to do push-ups, how to run properly, how to work your upper body skills and your core. So are kind of like the bricks and the components of fitness. And then what do you do with them? So you might go to someone, an specialist, a physiotherapist or, or a personal trainer, and it teach you how to do properly push-ups, how to do properly abdominals, how to do... Uh, train uh, running properly but once you have those skills what do you do with them do, do you want to climb the Everest do you want to run a marathon do you want to what do you want to do with it but with towards it's a little bit the same we we talk about the the components of peak performance presence uh, that that the state of consciousness but then what do you want to do with it you want to perform you want to how do you want it to serve your life and that is a massive task it's, it's a huge to make that decision. And as soon as you said it, uh, you might well panic because that is a huge mountain to climb. So what Tosvencia as a trainer, what we try to do, and maybe Molly answering your question, is to try to break it down as a small task as possible. And the very, very, very first one is sometimes it's muddy. Sometimes we cannot see a, beyond what is urgent for us, what is right in our face. If I have pain in my bum or in my belly now after the surgery, I cannot think about serving my students as best as I can because I am much more preoccupied by my pain. Or, or many other examples, if I preoccupy because I cannot pay my rent, I might not be able to be as present with my partner. And that is, this is the moment that I'm gonna geek out. This is in our prefrontal cortex exactly right here in the very first thing, because that's where the thoughts, the immediate thoughts are generated for you to survive. Uh, run faster or you will miss the bus. And then if you miss the bus, uh, you're going to kick out of the job. If you kick out of the job, you're going to die alone under a bridge. That is a normal process that we all follow in order to avoid to die. As, as simple as that. It's a basic survival instinct. Get into the worst case scenario for you to try to avoid the worst case scenario. That's a human trait. Once you know that, and this is what we do in Towards Juventia, what, there are mechanisms through physical action, which is just the power of dance as well, that we, as choreographers, we can design movements in order to serve for something. Most of the times, dance serves for visual pleasure, but dance can be much more, which is accessing memories, accessing emotions, accessing the states of consciousness. So what we do is we design uh, exercises. In this case, is something that we call MASA, M-A-S-A, Mobilization, Activation, Strength, and Activation, which in 15 minutes gets you drenched, completely tired. Therefore, it kind of like sat down that prefrontal cortex of survival because you are so tired that you are not there anymore. Therefore, your thoughts can go into the um, temporal lobe where much more long-term desires and long-term 
uh, goals are storage. And that is closer where your goal is. And that's one of the exercises that day in and day out, once again, because it's a training we do in Towards Venthia. And by that, at the end of, I don't remember if it's a week or two weeks, you gather four words. And those four words are the beginning of what could be your north. But before we arrive toward north, there is a couple of more processes of conscious writing, of um, more exercises. So the as you were saying, uh, Molly, life it's is muddy and our thoughts are not clear. And just thinking that we need to design north is a massive daunting, and therefore we normally procrastinate to get that task. So what we because it's really big, it's, it's too big. So in Towards Venthia, all the time is about making it smaller, making it smaller, making it smaller. The first one is get over your urgent and to go into the long term. Once you go into the long term dream what is the thing that makes your your belly um happy and and your heart smile what are the things that makes you scared and, and and afraid and going through that process little by little we start shaping what that north is so my suggestion now in this conversation if when it gets muddy it's a really good sign because it's like okay now i know that i don't know what the north is but now i know what the process might be to find the new one. So let's go through the process. And also with this mental work, and I, I'm gonna call it mental, although it's not, not real, but with this area of our life that it's much more closer to our thought process and being, we think that it's gonna be immediate. Okay, think about that and it will happen. When we know that to run a marathon, you need two years in order to get there. Well, to get certain mental clarity, you probably need six weeks or 10 weeks. So when it gets muddy, thumbs up, big smile, big uh, playfulness is like, okay, this is the time to get my shorts, my running shoes, and let's start going through the process in order to clear and to find out uh, another north. So if it gets muddy, congratulate yourself because you're like, okay, this is the moment that I know that I need to do the work. I don't know if I'm answering the question. Yeah, you absolutely are, both of you. Thanks. That was, um, I, like I said, I've not actually been through the, the training, but it resonates so much um, with, with me. And, and then in, 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 I don't know, I, I don't know, because I've, I've, again, I've worked with you a lot. And, but also just recently, you know, there's, there is times when, things are happening and it's like okay and then if I exercise it's it's amazing what it can do for you actually yeah but it was that was uh, really really useful to hear yeah, when it gets muddy get sweaty <laughs> yeah I mean I can sweat just by walking down the stairs I need to like get extra sweaty uh, sorry, Molly, we cut you. I thought you were going to say something. No, I was just going to say it's, it's very interesting because, um, I mean, it's, it, it shows the fact that I even asked the question that, that maybe I'm in that, that place that is a bit more muddy um, and have been for a few weeks. And something, something happened, I don't know what, a couple of weeks ago. And, and there was this transition and, I, and I'd be getting my running shorts on and, you know, I, I've been doing a lot more physically 
without knowing why or what for or for when or for and um but 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 i but it's a need and and it's almost like my body saying well we'll do this and and the rest will clear up actually um and it's just that my my body's so smart <laughs> it does it before my mind does. it is you've been working so much with it and and here's the offer as well if you feel that at some point it's useful i think the the facebook group in which you were part of because for people who doesn't know when we run the the training everyone belongs to a a close facebook group in which we post the units the the task and and people go through those tasks for a year i and we never close those uh, groups because people likes to go back to the reports or what, what happens something like that and they are all organizing units so just as a suggestion if at some point it helps you can always go back to that process of when you first discovered your north and it's like well, I'm going to go through this process again. And, and I know, and this is the, the beauty of having a methodology, which at the end of the day, methodology is only a map. But I know that this map will take me at least four weeks to get there or eight weeks if I do it every two weeks. But I know the steps. And therefore, there is one thing less that you need to worry about. What is my north? Well, those are the steps that I need to find rather than to have to worry. I don't know what is my north and what do I need to do in order to find it. So it there is one when worried already yeah I, I i just love this this feeling of the 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 methodology the community the other participants on 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 my edition but also on other ones it's it's there for you and and it's there for you if you want it if you let it um in 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 these different ways and it's yeah it's great to be reminded of that which actually you are giving me just the, the, the link for I think what I think would be a perfect end, which towards when there's a methodology and, and, and it works and, and, and something set up that, that it's here to serve you, it's here to serve the people who wants to go through that and train the performance presence. But there is only one way that the methodology can serve you. And it's if you make the work for the methodology to serve you. So you are the only one who can go through it and make it happen. So let me make it happen next week. Uh, let's start having a little bit of one hour and a half of fun of what to see what those bricks are. Let's make it happen. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Molly and Nathan and Jorge for spending the last hour and a half chatting about all of the amazing things that we're doing. I feel very full and very um, energized as well. That the, the, make it, the make it happen energy is, is very, very strong right now. Um, oh, we've got a question coming in from Facebook. One last question. I believe. Yes. When is the next training happening? The next training, oh, hugs from Canada. Hello. Um, the next training is going to be starting on the 25th of April and enrollment is going to be opening um, actually next week with the start of Jorge's classes. Um, we are a very... Uh, friendly company. So if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us and um, send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or email us, ask any questions that you have. Um, and yeah, we'll have lots of other events as well, where we're going to just be chatting with some people, uh, going into some more information. Um, there's also the book that Jorge and I wrote, um, if you want to get a, a little bit more information about training, but definitely uh, join us, join us next week where, um, it's definitely going to be like a big taster. There's the book. Hey, hey. 
<laughs> join us next week because it's really going to be a really nice um, practical embodiment of everything that we've been talking about um, in the course of the thing. Nathan, you were going to say something. Well, uh, it's gone. That's all right. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Cool. Well, thank again. Thank you, everyone. And hopefully we'll get to, you know, meet as a, as a in person soon and just thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. It's been amazing to have you guys uh, in here. And I want to, I, I was thinking about that and I want to say that publicly acknowledge that the three of you are the, the living proof of another 1,500, 2,000, 10,000 people who contribute to make this methodology happening. So I want to personally, so you my appreciation and my gratitude to the three of you because towards Benfe it is where it is today because of what you made uh, of it and you represent so many of the dancers who contribute to that so thank you for that thanks so much for having us uh, yeah. i also just want to say just thanks for everything that you're doing both of you together with towards eventia and how it's growing and with the classes you're doing we've managed to not talk about the pandemic in this time which is just incredible congratulations but i'm going to break that um but but the stuff that that you've been doing and continuing and the conversations you've been starting i think it gives a lot of courage to the the freelance world um and and that's that's quite powerful stuff um so yeah thanks for that jorge and bridget yeah thank you everyone thank and, you uh, I hope our paths will cross soon again. Lots of love. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.